0: This is an RNZ podcast.
1: As we've heard here on Media Watch in recent weeks, the COVID-19 economic fallout has hit the media hard, and the first and biggest casualty so far has been magazines and the people who made them for our biggest publisher media. Soon after the March 25th lockdown, it suddenly closed all its titles, including The Listener and Metro and North and South. And on Friday, Kelly Bertrand, the former deputy editor of another one, the New Zealand Woman's Weekly, told RNZ's Jessie Mulligan she hoped those magazines could be revived under new management soon.
0: The, the, the Weekly, the New Zealand Listener, they're taonga. They, I really hope that somebody does Invest in those magazines and even and magazines like Next, who did incredible things for um, talking uh, about talking to women and talking uh, uh, really, really heightening that female conversation. They're incredible, incredible titles.
1: When Bauer Media made its shock announcement last month, it cited the government's unexpected ruling that magazines were non-essential media, not to be distributed and printed under Alert Level Four, even to supermarkets and dairies where many are sold in normal times. And since then two other publishers have also announced they'd stop printing some magazine titles and put the content online for subscribers instead. But the lifting of level 4 on April the 28th was a huge relief to bi-monthly magazine New Zealand Geographic. Its next issue was due to be printed and posted the following day. Much of the issue is the kind of stuff its readers have come to expect and value, long pieces lavishly illustrated by professional photographers and designers. And New Zealand Geographic's not just about our flora and fauna these days, it's also about our country and us, and our big issues. For example, in its 25th anniversary year back in 2017, it devoted each edition to one question facing the country, including such things as the impact of urbanisation, social problems and increasing waste. It also digitised its entire archive that year and made it free to schools and libraries, as well as its subscribers. And now New Zealand Geographic finds itself the only magazine still covering current events for a national readership post-COVID-19 and the only one able to publish the kind of lean-back, long-view journalism that has extra relevance right now. For example, there's lots of noise in the media at the moment about whether and when to loosen the lockdown. And New Zealand Geographic's new issue has a timely article about that choice and the possible consequences. In it, the editor Rebecca White says we've simply wound the clock back to the virus's arrival when there were just a few cases of COVID-19 here and there. It's as though we've flipped back to page one of a choose-your-own-adventure story, she said. So this week, Hayden Donnell asked Rebecca White how she tackled the three possible endings to the story, another outbreak, containment or elimination.
0: The timing of the story, which was published just before the change over to Level 3 happened, was, was really great because the story shows what happens if we slack off, I suppose, in terms of social distancing and in terms of the contact that we have with other people. And one of the things that the story shows is how easy it would be for a second outbreak to take place.
2: I guess the one that we're really scared of is uh, how another outbreak might take place.
0: I give two examples of how an outbreak might take place, and those are drawn directly from um, my conversations with Sean Hindi, who's leading the modelling work at Te Poonaha Matatini. The circumstances in which another outbreak might arise are if there's someone who is very far away from um, medical care, perhaps they are in a remote community that doesn't have um, a good amount of access, and if if they start getting sick and they've just gone back to work, um, there's a big trade-off to be made by that person in terms of whether they take time off a job that they may just have started again to try and access medical care, and if, um, if, if If sickness isn't identified immediately, then that's your risk factor right there is not uh, being able to identify sick people straight away as soon as they get sick.
2: I think the example that you use is is them visiting their courier on the way home from work.
0: Exactly, because um, if you've picked up the virus, you don't know that you have it um, for a few days before you. You're infectious before you get sick, right? And so if you are in a situation where you haven't maybe taken the um, correct safety protocols, because after all, it's alert level 3, maybe everybody's chilling out a bit now, um, you are in a position where you could pick up the virus, you could pass it on without realising that you have it, um, before you even start getting a sore throat. So that's the, that's the big risk factor right there. But I, I don't expect most people to know how simple it would be for us to slide backwards, basically.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I'm interested in exactly how you put together... A piece of writing like this. So you interviewed a lot of people and then just sort of synthesised and news reports, right? And synth- synthesised their words into this feature, which actually reads re- it flows really well and it doesn't. It doesn't even have really direct quotes that much.
0: There aren't any of my reckons in it at all. It's all built on um, interviews with people. I went to around to economists and modelers and scientists and asked them what they thought would was going to happen and, and where different scenarios would take us. And I built the story out of that reporting. And I, and I built it as a narrative because I personally find that I can't digest facts on their own, I need them to be in a story framework for me to be able to understand them. For the detail of the story, that's drawn from news reports from around the country since the lockdown started. I am indebted to um, the daily journalists working at Papers like. Um, I remember there was um, a story from the Bay of Plenty Times that was published on the New Zealand Herald website that talked about um, pet pet adoptions at the SPCA having tripled during the week before lockdown. That details in my story. I wouldn't be able to do it without having the, it sort of shows how the different forms of journalism work together because I've built something that didn't exist before, but some of the building blocks I've used are other journalists' um, daily reports.
2: I I think you've described it as an example of the media ecosystem working well.
0: Exactly. Um, there needs to be things at both ends. So you need the, um, if the, the type of the daily news are, are these um, puzzle pieces and every day we're getting more pieces to the puzzle, but um, it's the long form journalists who can come and assemble all of those things and add a bunch of pieces of their own and suddenly you have a picture that you didn't see before. We are the people who zoom out and show you um, sort of what's been made out of everything over the last month, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, absolutely, or or bi-monthly, as as you as you.
0: or <laughs> <All> bi-monthly.
2: <laughs> but I, now we've focused a lot in the last—I mean, a long time—but in the last month in particular on that first pieces of the puzzle, the news bit of mm. and and how that's a threat. But actually, we haven't focused as much on the type of writing that you did here. This kind of synthesizing, this feature writing, uh, this assembling. Is,
0: is that a threat too? Yes, and so during alert, alert Level 4, the government decided that only daily media was essential. Anything that took that wasn't published every day or took longer wasn't. And I obviously disagree with that. I think that slower journalism isn't a worse form of journalism, it's, it's just a different form. Both are incredibly important, equally important, um, one might say. And What's more, as we've seen from the lockdown, um, New Zealand Geographic is now the only current affairs magazine in New Zealand publishing. And that is terrible. That's, That's horrible for a country like New Zealand. We deserve more outlets than simply us providing you the readership with different ways of understanding what's happening to us. And what's more, it means that for the journalists who specialize in this form of writing, which is really difficult, it's, it's its own discipline. It's not the same as daily news journalism at all. Um, there's only one place for them to practice their art. And so I'm worried about these, this type of journalism. People aren't going to be able to make a living from it.
2: You think that this undervaluing of long-form or considered journalism, it, it, it's, it's also continued over into stuff like the Epidemic Response Committee, right? Where there was no representatives from the magazine industry there.
0: Not at all, so all um, forms of media were represented, there were people from community newspapers, from daily newspapers, from websites, from online only sites such as the spin-off and Business Desk, um, from television, but um, nobody from magazines had been invited, or the magazine industry body, we do have a industry body which represents um, all the magazines in New Zealand and um, we, we were not invited to the party, we didn't actually find out the party was happening until the night before, at which point... Um, we, we were told that there was uh, no, no time for magazines to present.
2: Why do you think this is? Do you think that magazine journalism is seen as kind of a nice to have rather than an actual vital part of the media e- ecosystem, as you say?
0: There are um, concessions given to broadcasters and also to book publishers. And print journalism occupies the strange no man's land. And I would say it's print journalism rather than magazines in particular. We did get singled out um, in the Epidemic Response Committee. But since then, the government's um, support package for journalism is... Um, largely directed at broadcasters, and there's, there's been no sort of signal from the government um, in terms of support for print. And it's it's a very unbalanced um, type of, of support from the government. It's almost as though they see print as being a non-viable business that um, should be allowed to let fail, whereas broadcast, um, which received subsidies before these these new subsidies, is, is sort of seen as as viable, which which doesn't make sense because. Magazines such as New Zealand Geographic are a perfectly viable business. Um, We are having a pretty difficult time at the moment because there's a global pandemic happening, but we were viable beforehand and will be viable after. And so it's a little bit strange to seemingly have the government thinking that we are not um, sort of part of that new world that I described in my story.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I guess it's just that, that maybe this print product and physical products are seen as archaic in the age of the internet, but actually you guys do pretty well. If you guys Our
0: readership is increasing.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. So your your readership is increasing.
0: This is interesting. Every uh, publisher has to pay some kind of cost to get their journalism to the public, right? So broadcasters pay uh, transmission fees, and then they um, and and publishers pay postage. Uh, both of those are state-owned enterprises in the package that the government um, sort of provided to media. it uh, cut the transmission fees from its one state-owned enterprise, um, but meanwhile, our postage costs have gone up. Um, they've gone up in double digits uh, year on year for the past few years, and so. It's strange to me that the government is price gouging in terms of its one entity and then increasing costs to a different type of publisher through another entity I'm not entirely clear why those uh, costs are being treated differently and why you wouldn't sort of subsidise those costs across the board considering that they are um, both state and enterprises.
2: Before we go on to this I just want to highlight something else because your feature was illustrated by uh, really beautiful uh, photos by the former Herald photographer Brett Fibbs. Mm. And that's another part of this industry that is also kind of at risk, right? And the magazine industry, which Bauer has now folded, was supporting mm. a lot of these guys.
0: The closure of um, North and South and, and the listener and Metro, it means that New Zealand Geographic is the, um, as far as I know, the only outlet in New Zealand now commissioning documentary photography, which is where you have um, more than one picture to, to go with a story. And... Photography to me is such an important record of um, the way we live, and documentary photography in particular, because news photography is generally pictures of dramatic events or sort of famous things, whereas documentary photography is it shows normal people in their normal lives, and it's it's beautiful and it lends a um, a dignity to those lives. It, it preserves them. It shows um, it shows normality and. I honestly get worried about what we're going to have to look back on in 50 years and 100 years when we want to see how we lived. Photography is uh, legendarily not supported by Creative New Zealand. Um, Documentary photography is considered not an art form. Um, That was the advice we received directly when when, um, photographers have tried to um, obtain grants.
2: If if you think that, I'd encourage you to to look at the photos on this feature because they're, they're beautiful.
0: Brett absolutely did a great job, and in this instance, we actually partnered with the New Zealand Herald to, um, it was, he worked for both them and New Zealand Geographic on documenting the lockdown. We only had one person um, who was uh, out and about during Alert Level 4 very carefully, and that was Brett. And to reduce that form of exposure, we we shared him with, with the Herald, with another media outlet.
2: In some ways, magazines are what the future of media actually looks like. It's high-quality, subscription-based journalism. Uh, Do you feel hopeful about the future of NZ Geographic and possibly other magazines?
0: Absolutely. Uh, What we're seeing is that niche magazines that cater to a particular interest or audience um, have been doing... Uh, pretty well in that um, even in a country a market as small as 5 million people um, we are genu- we're really interested in magazines we we've um, legendarily had a really high number of magazines per capita the challenge that we face is not declining readership it's declining advertising so and and now at the moment it's it's the, the wipeout of advertising so we are probably 60 percent down on advertising. Uh, for this past issue and will be about 70 percent for the next one and I think that there is a possibility for magazines to continue based on that subscriber support. In terms of support from the government I think there's some very quick wins that could be made for instance in um, providing a subsidy on postage would be uh, one incredible change that would make a difference. The government owns New Zealand Post. It's the same as having um, transmission charges for broadcasters through another entity owned by the government.
2: Lastly, do you still see yourself being in magazines in 20 or 30 years' time?
0: Oh, I hope so. I love magazines. I really like being able to um, sit down and read a physical object, as um, many people still do, judging by the fact that our subscriber base um, isn't declining in the slightest. They offer a level of depth that isn't too great. It's not like sitting down to read a book where your time investment is significantly high, but you're able to um, read a serious piece of analysis or journalism in half an hour or so rather than committing to a longer time. It's to me, I'm continually fascinated by what we're able to do within this sort of both picture and text form. There's really nothing like it. Um, and I, I hope that I can keep working in it as, as, as long as I can.
1: Hey, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Hayden. That was Rebecca White, editor of New Zealand Geographic magazine, talking to Media Watchers Hayden Donnell. And her article in its current issue, titled Our New Future, is online at nzgeo.com, or you can find a link to it in the online version of this story on the Media Watch page of the RNZ website or the RNZ app. Just look for the title, Magazines, The Forgotten Media Crisis.